It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson. Are you ready to get real, break through, and learn how to make your midlife the best time of your life? Take on those life challenges and turn them into opportunities? Let's rock. Here's Dr. Ellen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife. I am so thankful that you are here today. If you are a new listener, welcome. And if you're returning, thank you for tuning in. I want to say that we've got people from the US and Canada and Germany, India, United Kingdom, Japan, France, Philippines, Australia, Netherlands, and Sweden all over the world. And it's just amazing to connect with all of you beautiful listeners today. And we're recording this actually the day before Thanksgiving. So today is all about gratitude and it's all about midlife tune-up. We're going to be sharing proven well-being practices that are going to help you rock the end of the year and move into 2023. I can't believe we are like 40 days away from 2023. It's a really great time to have a lot of joy, enjoy the holidays, but also start to think about what you want your life to look like in the year ahead. And you know, our well-being needs really do change as we do. And the good news is that it's never too late to start working on your well-being and take better care of you. And on today's show, you're going to learn several practices that will help you tune up your body, your mind, your spirit, and your relationships. I'm going to be talking with Dr. Linda Ulrich. She is founder of the Goodness Exchange, the place on the web for instant access to good news. Get that. There's a place you can go for good news with no politics or ads. And she's going to talk about the power of gratitude and share four simple shifts you can make to have less fear and more joy in your life. And then I am talking with fellow author and coach Emily Medill, who is going to share how to create a weekly planning ritual and how it's a form of self-care no matter what stage or age of life you are in. So you might want to grab a piece of paper because these are going to be people who have incredible expertise who are really going to help you. And, you know, if you want to rock your midlife, I have to say, I really lean into informed supplementation. And I just wrote an article for iHerb. I do a lot of blogging for them. And I encourage you to check out my newest article, which is five supplements that are under the radar. You know, we think about things like calcium and a multi and maybe fish oil, but there's a lot of cool supplements out there. And if you want to get 10% off your first order, just put Dr. Ellen, all in caps in the box. That information is all in the show notes. So supplementation is something I love to do. And another practice that is so powerful for me, which we'll be talking about a lot today is really, really is gratitude. And this is scientifically proven to really shift your mental focus. And, you know, we all want to be thankful. We all want to be grateful. But, you know, between planning and preparing and shopping and traveling for the holidays, it can be really hard to make time to pause and sink into gratitude. And I, I know if you're feeling that way. I, I got you. I've been there too. Yesterday, I was racing around town between doctor's visits, trying to get the feast together. If you've been following me, you know that I was diagnosed with breast cancer in April and I'm still doing some uh, chemo treatment. So I started my day at Costco. I'm like, I'll get there at 10. And I got there and there was no parking and, the, and everything went downhill in terms of the, my Costco experience. And then, you know, my mind felt like an overcrowded parking lot. It was crowded with stressful thoughts and all the things I needed to do. And, you know, by the time I arrived home after my two doctor's visits and my shopping, I was so grouchy and exhausted. You know, forget turkey and stuffing. I needed food for my soul. 
So after I unloaded the groceries, you know, I whistled for my dog, Rosie, and we went for a long walk. I took a breath and I let those stressful thoughts go. And I really leaned into gratitude, you know, as I took in that cool Vermont evening air and I listened to the owls that live in my neighborhood. Even though it's been challenging, I have so many blessings. I have all of you to thank. I have this purpose of rocking midlife and showing other midlife women how to do the same. I've got my incredible fiance, Ken, my friends, my family, inspirational clients, my health. I'm in remission. I feel great. And I get to live on this beautiful island. And so I want to say that gratitude really does work. And it's not just a practice. It's really an attitude. You know, spending time, even just a couple of minutes a day in gratitude is so powerful. Research shows that people who consistently and consciously count their blessings are happier and less depressed. It's all about looking all you have, right? Not sinking into all of the things that you want or you can't have and all of those limitations. You know, when you practice gratitude, you've got better relationships, you're healthier, you're more resilient. It literally changes your brain and improves your mental health. It raises your vibe by helping you to release all of those toxic emotions. And when you appreciate the good things in your life, the good things in your life really do appreciate. Speaking of good things, I'm so excited to introduce our first guest, my friend, Dr. Linda Ulrich. And she and I met a couple of years ago when she was like, had this idea of this idea of like, how do we spread good in the world? This conspiracy of goodness. And she founded an incredible website and app. It's called the Goodness Exchange. It's the place on the web for instant access to good news with no politics or ads. The Goodness Exchange is helping millions of people cut through today's negative noise, saving their time and sanity. Out of our chaotic, seemingly doomed world, Dr. Linda's voice rises with a vision and strategy for action available to each of us. She excludes no one and casts no stones. Instead, she points to an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world. So you know what? There's good stuff happening out there and it is hidden by all this noise in our life. She is so accomplished. In addition to being a doctor, she is the author, an author, a three-time TEDx speaker, a media contributor, a regular podcast guest. She has been interviewed by WGN Chicago at the same hour as Michelle Obama and Rachel Ray. And she is the host of The Conspiracy of Goodness, which is a wonderful podcast. And I am so honored to invite her and welcome her to Rock Your Midlife. Hey, Linda. Um, so delighted to be here. Thank you for asking me to come. Yeah, it's great. You're, I think you're one of the first people I've had who lives in Vermont and we've actually met. We met over tea years ago. We got to dig out how that meeting, that meeting happened, but sure. you have evolved and grown so much personally and professionally. And it's just such a privilege to, to see you blossoming. Well, you know, I hope we can talk about that kind of the journey that we're all on, you know, um, because that is so relevant to finding that meaning and purpose that everybody's going on about these days. Yeah. And I've been thinking so much about purpose too, because, you know, you can find purpose in a moment in, you know, what are you, what are you reading? Why are you cooking this? Why are you shopping? And then the bigger ideas in the world. And I think ultimately we're here to enjoy life and spread more joy, but purpose mm -hmm. is such an incredible motivation, motivational for, force for good. Tell me a little bit about how you came up with the conspiracy of goodness and how this became, you know, really your motivating purpose in life. Yeah, and it's very relevant to our topic and to your topic um, all the time, Ellen. Now, I was a, a dentist for 30 or 25 years, 
And um, of course I had meaning and purpose in my life. I, I got to be with cool people, you know, in just intense moments and, and go through it with them and all that stuff um, for 25 years. And of course I had meaning and purpose in my life, but I always had this nagging feeling that it wasn't what I was meant to do. And I just thought, okay, then I'm meant to raise three cool kids who'll go out and do that big thing that's so important. So I raised my kids and I ran my dental practice and had a great life. And I, I tell you what really happened was over the years, um, since we have a very relationship-based practice, I started noticing that people were developing a sense of future fatalism, that people who I'd known for years as cheerful, they were looking at the future because of the negative noise and the constant droning doom and gloom and the animosity and social media you know, all this advent of, of this negativity was really starting to build by 2013. And I just kept saying, somebody's got to do something about this. Somebody's got to do something about this. And that's the way it works. <laughs> it yeah, it's works. really true though, because we have yes. this media that if it bleeds, it leads. And then we have this negativity bias mm -hmm. where the brain is constantly scanning the environment for what is wrong. And you put yeah. those two things together and you can read the newspaper or like watch the news and feel like the world is coming to an end. Like we are just heading right down the path to Armageddon. It's hard to be, it's hard to be um, happy for your kids and all those things. So, um, so as I was noticing this, I kept often doing this, I'll be happy that, uh, you know, somebody's got to do something about this. And then a confluence of two things happened one weekend that is too long a story to go into here, but that's it. I woke up one Monday morning and said, and that person's going to be me. Um, I was really real red. My husband and I had drug our kids to bleak places all over the planet in philanthropy. And so they had seen how ingenious people are in really bleak places and how generous. And they, and I just knew that people were never going to see that beautiful side of humanity because the media is never going to show us who each other, who we really are. And um, so I started on this personal journey to, um, to write one article every day on anything under the sun that proves it's still an amazing world. And it started out to be just a pet project, a little thing. But now we've been in front of millions and millions of people. The Goodness Exchange now is we're talking to corporate cult, uh, companies about getting it into their cultures, nonprofits. We, we are talking about getting it as a gift to in nonprofit cultures to keep their volunteers knowing that what they do matters. Imagine the volunteer cultures in this country and the world that are holding the tent poles up on, on so many things. And yet all we hear in the news is that it won't matter. Everything's going to heck in a handbasket. So anyway, the goodness exchange is the natural outcome of, um, I've got a daughter that graduated from Harvard and, and she joined me. She, <laughs> We hardly spoke 10 sentences in, while she was in college. So don't, don't misunderstand where that, <laughs> where that started. It's not all roses and daisies, but, um, but now we do um, have thousands of articles and links and, and, pot, and podcast episodes and recordings of incredible people all over the world. And you can go to the goodness exchange and have your view of the world refreshed instantly because we don't do politics or ads. <laughs> Yeah. And you can also give it as a gift, which is a wonderful idea yeah. because like, really who needs another air fryer? Um, yeah. You know, and you're doing so much good. And I know yeah. when I read, I just read that your wonderful article about, you know, how beavers are, you know, are helping with the environmental issues and tell us about one or two of your absolute favorite mm -hmm. articles that you have written in well, the goodness exchange. 
that is a great uh, that's a great example of this thing. You know, we think the world is coming apart, but really there's so many parts of the natural world that are that are teed up to to rescue the mess we've made. <laughs> Beavers, that article that's on the homepage right now, are literally um, master engineers of the environment. They change the course of rivers. Um, in Yellowstone National Park, there's this whole movement called rewilding. Um, but let me just give you oh, two or three other kind of examples. So one of my favorite um, articles on the Goodness Exchange is about the fact that um, there's a man in Africa who has Jane Goodall on his board, who has discovered that single mothers make the best game wardens in Africa. Is an extraordinary concept. And the best thing about it, the reasons why single mothers make the best game wardens in Africa is a transportable model all over the world. It, what Damien Mander has, has, um, has discovered about the way single mothers work in their communities, about the way, um, the way they give back and they elevate all the community around them when there are success stories, the way they can defuse um, moments of intense uh, friction, uh, because that's what they've done their whole lives. They've had to defuse moments. Well, that works when you're trying to catch poachers who are killing the last rhino. And um, so it's a fa fascinating story. The guy, Damien Mander, has some amazing TED Talks that will, will shake you, but we need to be shaken on some topics. But yes. anyway, it's super positive. Um, another article is about, there's a man um, who has discovered that we can save all the remaining rainforests using old cell phones. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, company, a company, it's an organization called the Rainforest Connection. And that is too long a story to tell, but it's unbelievable how simple it would be and affordable. That's the thing. A lot of these innovators are thinking of things anew and they're using what we have in excess instead of creating whole new infrastructures to support some change. And they have the darndest clever ideas. Um, in fact, that's one thing I've learned from the Goodness Exchange writing all these years is that um, the problem, most problems just simply um, lack, um, a, a, there's a lack of imagination sitting there. And once you get somebody who's really ingenious and creative on a problem, it can be solved. Yeah, um, and it's about a, getting rid of all that, that fear too, and being in a yes. more fun and creative mm -hmm. place. So I want to shift a little bit into gratitude because then we had talked uh, about a week or so ago about how you could share not just gratitude practice. And we all know we could do a gratitude journal, yes. you can count your blessings, but What's the difference when you stay in this attitude of gratitude? How do you do it? What does it look like? Yeah, so I think that comes back to um, what we consume is what we, it, it creates our view of the world. So if we are constantly having this negative input from the screens in our lives and, and pretty much nothing else shows up there unless you're really conscientious. I want to share with you the four tips, the four shifts to do that in a second. But gratitude comes from a place like um, there's a wonderful TED talk by David Stendel Rastin. People should look up. He says, we can't always be happy, but in almost every situation, there's something to be grateful for. And I've learned that from the innovators we've written about as well. They have tremendous setbacks. Damien Mander has been thrown out of Africa, thrown out of his own home once a year, almost for six years, because whenever the government changes, he's either a friend or a foe of the government. And, you know, and yet he finds a way to carry on because he doesn't attach his gratitude to circumstances. He just is grateful for the things that come his way. And that, that is... 
that is a way of looking at the world every day and deciding what we're what we're going to see because what we give our attention to expands. Yeah, that is powerful. And I know it's it's a matter of, I actually had a client today and I told her, you know, get yourself a piece of jewelry. I mean, she was into sort of complaining and looking at lack and what wasn't working. And I said, just do something or maybe, you know, tattoo it somewhere. I am grateful just to remember, as you said, to look, you know, even like with myself with breast cancer, I guess go, oh God, I've got breast cancer. This is such a pain and I hate this. Or thank God I live somewhere where I've got great medical care and I've got tons of support and it was caught early. And there's always this silver line attitude where you can find, you know, reasons to uh, be grateful. And I love that you said, you know, you can't be happy all the time. And I think there's such a difference too, between happiness and joy. Joy is sort of this internalized sense of well-being and gratitude, whereas happiness is more about the external events in your life. And you can't always be happy about everything. You're not happy about everything going on in the world and outside of you, but inside you can be joyful and grateful. Yeah. And, and we, it's really about what we what we're looking for. This is the my of course my niche is is how the internet is affecting our lives, and so I, I I'll share with you the the four shifts so people can be a lot more grateful for the way the world is. Um, so what I discovered after years and years because I came to the front to the internet just like anybody else. I had no particular digital savvy, and now I the last TED talk I gave they they called me the global positive media mogul. <laughs> So, okay, I have learned a lot. I've learned so much. And here's what I've learned about controlling what you see of the world. First, the first thing you got to do is pause. You've got to remember that every click you make is a vote. That someone is counting every click you make, every bit of attention. If Some algorithms can even tell how long your eyes laid on something. You don't even have to click or swipe. So, Pause before you give your attention to anything on the internet, social media, the news, whatever. And remember that your click is a vote. And then what you do, the second shift is ignore more. Like my trick is I, I want to click on that blobfish picture. I want to click on that snake with a big human form and that I know is just click, right? You know, I want to click on the same. I want to click on that. My politicians winning today. I want to click on that article, but no, if we ignore more, then the chaos builders will go away. No one is making internet content, not, no one, unless we click on it. And it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad, sad or happy, none of that matters on the internet. It's just the attention juice that things can get if we click on them. So what I do is pause before I click on anything and I ask myself, do we need more of this? That's it. And even if my team is winning politically or whatever, there's some news article, I say, and they're, and they're calling the other side, you know, and they're calling the dignity in question of the other side. I don't click on it because I don't want to give more link juice to that narrative, to that, that negativity. So pause, ignore more. And the third shift is seek signs of goodness in progress because what you seek is what your algorithms will feed you next. Like, I don't see the world that everyone else sees. I see the craziest remarkable stuff because I have so much discipline about never giving my attention or my, my vote, my click as a vote to anything that's kooky or negative or not gonna, not, not more of what we need in the world. So third one is 
see signs of goodness and progress and your algorithms will pick that up and they will feed you more of it. So you'll start seeing this other version of the world. And the fourth um, shift is, uh, is <laughs> share it. When you find goodness, share it because that's the new currency of the internet. No one cares about a like anymore. When I started out this journey 10 years ago, it was all about likes. Now, nothing matters except the number of shares things get. So if you see that the neighbor kid raised $400 for the Humane Society, for gosh sakes, share it because it, it will inspire others to do what they can. If a 10-year-old can raise $400, I can do something too. It gives people, if we see more goodness in the world, then we're back to gratitude. Then we're I back to being able to hold up a different narrative entirely about the future. Yeah, that is so empowering too, because I think we feel so disempowered and we kind of go into this media trance. But I love that of just like, okay, you can pause, you decide whether or not you want to look at it, and then you can seek signs of goodness of things you really want to read. And I can think again, starting with your goodness exchange is a great place yeah. to go with that, which is it's available throughout on all social media and then share good things. It's so empowering. And I would just say one thing that I'm doing so much of now is that for a long time, I was reading digital. I've gone back to books, you know, I just, I, they take up a lot of space. I liked my Kindle for a long time, but then I just set up a little nook and I just, you know, I turn off all media an hour or so before bed and I have, you know, the four or five books that I'm reading. You know, last night I'm reading Sapiens and I'm reading Mary Oliver poems, just like opening up randomly and just marveling at beautiful writing. So I think it's getting away from media, leaving your phone at home when you go for a walk. It is because it is, it's designed. We know we talked about, you know, if it bleeds, it leads, but the cell phones are designed to get those dopamine squirts to get you clicking yes. again and again and again. Um, it's if you've seen the social dilemma, you know what I'm talking about. It's oh. another great, great movie to watch and see just how the algorithm works and how artificial intelligence, as you said, Linda, really knows, you know, what you are giving your attention to. So mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about so, how do we navigate news with? you know, savvy without overwhelm. So we want to know what's going on. That's a problem I have. So I'm, you know, I've got the New York Times, Washington Post on my phone, and I kind of want to know what's going on, but it certainly isn't balanced. And there, you know, there's not a lot of good news until I get down to the puzzles. My fiance and I do the puzzle every night. We do the crossword and we do the yeah. spelling bee. And I love looking at recipes, but there's a lot to wade through until I get there. How do we stay informed without going into that negative overwhelmed place? I think you have to look at the source and decide what their deeper truth is. Look at the source and decide what their deeper truth is. Because if they have to, if they have to sell ads, if they have to, if their deeper truth, if their, their, their reason etra is to make money and they have shareholders, um, then there's a, there's going to be a natural bias there, but I'll tell you my test. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Like when I'm watching TV or watching news on the internet, streaming news, if I turn down the sound and I can tell that the person in the news is either angry, sad, exasperated, outraged, whatever it is, if I can tell their emotions, boom, there's an agenda there. They're trying to get me to think like they think. Because that is a, there's part of our brain that does mirroring. I'm sure you've talked about yep, that. Mirror neurons. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that's all hooked into. So what I do is I, I turn down the, down the, um, down the, the sound when I want a new source. Now I've narrowed that down 
um, the place that I get my news. You can turn it down. And at any moment, you're never going to know whether anybody's um, hot and under the collar or whatever. Uh, maybe a guest, but not the certainly not the broadcasters. Um, but really just think about the deeper truth where you're getting your source. And if it's on the internet, they're trying to capture and hold your attention. They just are. That's what every single bit of content is made for on the internet is to capture and hold our attention. So when you're getting your news through social media, that's the gist of it. And if you don't feel um, three things, I think that every bit of news on the internet should preserve people's dignity. It should um, give us some hope. There should be some hope in that news article and it should give us agency. We should know what to do next. If you feel like you've just been heaved over a cliff from a news story, I think that's irresponsible. And there's something called solution-based journalism that's rising to the top. And I think everyone will probably know about it in about two or three years. But I navigate the news by really thinking, what are they trying to get at here? You know, if I feel like um, they're using fear, the minute anybody goes to fear in a news story, trying to make me feel fearful, I figure it's that they don't have enough facts and I'm up. So here's what I do. I, it takes me 12 minutes to get to drive into work. I listen to NPR driving in and I listen to the BBC driving back out. So I figure anything that doesn't make that 12 minute window at NPR or the 12 minute window BBC International is probably something I'm going to learn about some other way. And it's probably not going to have a big impact on how I counsel my children or how I run my daily life. But that works for me. And I, and I am not head under the covers. And, um, and yet I, I also seek signs of goodness and progress. So it's a more balanced worldview. Yeah, that's really powerful. But to really um, be very judicious about what you listen to. I love that idea of like turning down the sound and noticing the emotion. So we only have like two minutes left, but I want you to share just can you share briefly of how you found your new midlife calling? Because I know a lot of women who are listening are feeling kind of stuck and they want to have a sense of purpose. Can you share kind of your nu couple nuggets of wisdom that got you to this place where you do wake up every day excited and feeling like you're fulfilling your purpose? Yeah. So the two things I've kind of noticed because I talked to all these innovators about how they got where they are, because they literally, I can't, I get up at 4 a.m. every morning. I can't wait to start what I do. And, and nobody is paying me for it <laughs> because we, we aren't, uh, we don't have a monetized model. Um, so I'm doing it literally like that old saying, if you would do it for free, then you found your passion. And here's what I found by talking to people about their stories and such is that one way is to look back at what you really loved when you were a child. Ellen, that's really deep inside us that. And um, I was the most curious child ever. When I was a kid, I did crazy things out of curiosity. And that's, that's why we've got everything from soup to nuts on the website, because we're curious about everything going on in the world. And the other thing was that um, I've noticed with, with people is that if you are doing like what I told you I was doing, if you were going, you were saying, somebody's got to do something about this. Somebody's got to do something about this. It's probably could be you. You probably have more skills and more experience in your, in your hip pocket. If we're talking mid, about midlife, I think one of the most powerful things about midlife is that you have this range of experiences and insight and wisdom behind you that are unique to you. You may be uniquely built to contribute something that no one else on the planet can. 
And it doesn't have to be saving the rainforest. It can be something in your town that no one else is, is perfectly suited for. So those are the two things. Look at the things that lit your fire when you were a child and also start noticing what, you, what you're saying. Somebody's got to do something about whether it could be teaching more people how to play the piano or volunteering locally for some wonderful thing that needs doing. I think that those two things get you closer and closer and you have to be curious. You have to just keep on keeping on. (laughs) Powerful. Well, I totally agree with you. It's the number one step in my book is authenticity, which is, yeah, going back to kindergarten and knowing what you love to do. Hey, we need to take a little break. Linda, so awesome talking with you. When we come back from the break, we are going to be talking with Emily Medill. She is an author and certified professional coach. She's going to help us find new ways to create powerful self-care practices. Stay with us. We'll catch you on the other side of the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and wondering how to get your confidence and joy back. You need someone to help you get real, discover who you are, and navigate life. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I'm here to help. I've worked with hundreds of midlife women, went from surviving to thriving at midlife myself, and literally wrote the book on this pivotal time period, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, nutritionist, and board-certified health and wellness coach with 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide nutrition consults, life coaching, and free resources to help you transform your body, your mind, your career, and your relationships. Feeling stuck? I can help you figure out how to live authentically with joy, passion, and purpose. Every Wednesday here on Voice America, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I share my passion for making the most of midlife and my expertise on the most pressing midlife issues from changing family relationships, managing stress, and securing enough resources to rediscovering yourself. I also interview experts from around the world to help you navigate your life. For more information, please visit my website, themidlifewhisperer.com, for fabulous resources, including my free gift, 10 Tips to Rock Your Midlife. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. Hope to see you there soon. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Rock Your Midlife with Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Have a question for Dr. Ellen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. 
Now, back to the show. Here again is Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Welcome back, everyone. I am so grateful that you're here. We're talking about gratitude and midlife tune-up and things that you can do to really enhance your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit, your relationships as we head out of a year and into a new year. And I want to say, too, something that I've learned a lot about is uh, really to change my supplement routine. You know, approximately three quarters of Americans take at least one dietary supplement every day. So you probably use several supplements, products to support your well-being. Perhaps you take a multi or maybe you use zinc or elderberry, vitamin C for cold and flu season. You may also have popular supplements like vitamin D and collagen and CoQ10. But did you know that there are many supplements that are under the radar that you should get to know? And I just wrote a blog about about that. It's on iHerb. You can check out the link in the show notes. It's five supplements that are under the radar and why you should know them. And if you want to try any of these supplements or order other supplements, your favorite products, you can go to iHerb.com, the place to shop for wellness. Check out the link in the comments and use code Dr. Ellen, which is D-R-E-L-L-E-N, all caps, to receive 10% off your first order. So we were talking all about gratitude and about how to navigate the news and we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about self-care with Emily Medill. And she is an author and certified professional coach. She has published 11 titles in the area of self-development and empowerment. She is the co-author of a newly launched international bestseller, Reclaiming Your Midlife Mojo. I encourage you to check it out. I wrote the forward for the book. It's an amazing book. Bring Kleenex. That's how Emily and I actually got connected because she is an author in there and so am I. You can also find her writing in Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive for Kids, Thrive Global, The Huffington Post, and Aspire Magazine. She has a private coaching practice and online programs offering courses that support women to shift their relationship with time and renew their connection with themselves. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Emily. Lovely meeting you and having you here. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm honored to be here with oh, both of you. So good My to have you. Women. This has just been such a treat to sit here and listen so far. Well, I know that you were listening to Dr. Linda and you've got a question for her. So I'd love to know what you would yeah, like to I'm know. Curious, Dr. Linda, how you um you mentioned that you get up really early and you're super passionate about um the goodness exchange and and um just all that that entails. So I'm curious about how you decide which topic you're going to either go after that day or like how do you decide to like because I imagine once you've got going with it all, there must be so many awesome nuggets out there. So how do you decide which one you're going to put your focus and attention on? You know, first, I got to say that is a hopeful sign in and of itself, because when we started the Goodness Exchange in 2013, it was hard going. There wasn't that many good things rising to the top. And um, and now we we do have to do exactly what you say, decide what to give our attention to. So um, what we do is we really look at stories that um, that feel like it's achievable for us too. Like Damian Mander's story, okay, none of us are going to run off and, and start out a sniper and decide to be championing endangered wildlife. But in his story is the fact that he was a sniper. He was one thing. And what he knew about was war. And so he has, he applied this because that's what he learned when he went to Africa on a, on a vacation. That's how he got into this. Um, they rounded a corner and they got to a, 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 a wildebeest that was suffering caught in a leg trap and something just turned in him. And he realized that wildlife poaching 
was war. It was it was run by um, by foreign entities that are involved in organized crime, and he knew that he knew how to address this problem in a better way than what we've been doing for 200 years. And so that's how we look at our articles. We say, oh, what else good can come of this? Yeah, sure. We can we can learn about the guy who can save the rainforest with old cell phones or learn about the guy who sees with sound. He lost his eyes as a baby and now he sees with sound. So we'll do that article on him. But guess what? It might be an insight for somebody our age who has macular degeneration. It might be something that attaches to some other group. So we really look at everything that we could give our attention to and write about and celebrate and see how much good it can do. And then every day we have to make choices. But it, there is a lot of good going on in the world. <laughs> yeah, and I love your litmus test, too. You've told me that, you know, you have a relative who's very conservative politically on the opposite end of the spectrum of you. And you always go with this right. test of like, is he going to enjoy this? So it is not yes. political. There are no ads. And it's wonderful. And I just want to say. Yeah, it's yes. a great Christmas gift. I have to say, if you're just looking for something that's really going to light someone up, I'm going to be giving it to a lot of people so yeah. that they get that little yeah. burst of goodness every day in their inbox. So speaking of bursts of goodness, I want to get uh, talking about self-care because it's one of my absolute favorite topics, whether you're taking care of your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit. It's something that I know a lot of midlife women like want to do it, but they struggle with it. So Emily, tell us a little bit about your brilliant way of helping midlife women uh, really um, plan and implement a well-being practice that works. Well, Ellen, uh, Dr. Ellen, I created a resource that I use in my life and that I've been using for several years um, that implements like a ritual around planning. So I'm in my mid forties and I'm still in that stage of life where I'm raising kids and, and teenagers and all of that. And there's a lot of to do's still yet on my pile. Um, so, um, and I'm still, you know, in my career and all of those things. So I'm at the stage of life where, um, it's really helpful to have a sense like a container for organization. Um, so that's, the intention, like that's why I initiated creating this planner that I have. Um, but in it, I created a system where it's not looking at time and at planning in a masculine way, in that kind of real like to-do list kind of way and action and all of that, right? Because I noticed um, at the stage of life, like just giving all of my energy out <laughs> for decades, I just was really craving a way to implement some kind of a system where um, I could sit down and get all of those things out of my head, but also to create some weekly intentions for my time, for my energy, for how I wanted to show up for the people in my life, for how I wanted to show up for myself, like creating a real emotional intention. So I created this resource and I put it out into the world. And I found that um, most of the women that were coming in were actually, I want to say more like in their 60s, actually, which I found really interesting because they were in a transitional kind of stage where they were coming out of raising kids and didn't have like as many of those kind of like all of those kind of daily doing type um, of tasks. Yet they were craving the same thing that I was, which is having that um, that space and intention to prioritize their well-being and their self-care in 
in a more meaningful and purposeful way, not just like, oh, go get your nails done or go to the hair salon or go get a pedicure. Well, all of those things are really great um, to really kind of go below the surface of that and to um, care for themselves in a really purposeful kind of a way. So that's kind of how I've got, got started. And that's why um, when we were chatting about the topic, I think that sometimes when we a lot of us can look at like a planner or like I have friends tease me and everything. Oh, but that works for you because you're type A. Well, I'm not really type A. What I crave is um, comfort and not having chaos, right? So it's about this idea of like sitting down on a Sunday, lighting a candle, creating this real safe kind of space and comfortable space of um, designing the week and really, and being intentional about how I want to feel in my week and looking at, you know, what sorts of things are coming up. And I'll always create like a power word or an intention. And that doesn't mean that it's going to like make my work, my week be perfect. But what it does do is give me um, that reference point of that time that I sat down to kind of lay, lay the ground and lay the map for how I want to feel so that when, you know, Wednesday comes and something comes up or, you know, you mentioned like your time at Costco, like all of these real life things where we can get overwhelmed or, um, Dr. Linda, like you talk about, you know, clicking on the news, like all of these things are constantly grabbing for our attention and for our energy and for our soul. Right. So it's about having that kind of like power word or that energy that you've created that you, a touchstone that you can kind of come back to, to reset, to kind of take that breath and be like, right. Like, how I really, like, I wanted to experience more abundance this week. Like, how is abundance showing up in this moment, right? Like, whatever that weekly word is, but I create a word every week. And the women in my membership and women who use the planner, like, a lot of them will say that's the one thing, like, sometimes they don't fill out all of the to-dos and there's, like, a moon cycle and some other kind of, like, fun feminine ways that I've included, Um in the weekly kind of ritual, but the thing that they always consistently do is set that emotional intention for themselves. So that that can kind of be the, the touchstone for the resetting to kind of come back to center. Yeah. I love that idea of being the intentionality of it, right. Of yeah. just deciding intentionality again, getting back to the idea of purpose, knowing like my purpose for doing this is to have my week, have a different vibration, right? You said, maybe I want this week to be about abundance, or maybe yeah. I want this week to be about energy. Or I want this week to be about joy, but just setting that intention. And then I really love that, you know, that it's emotion because we, we think about attracting things in our lives. And I think the piece that people miss when they're playing with like law of attraction, traction stuff is they don't bring the emotion into it. We use, use our mind and we think about like the to-do list and all the things I want to get done and all the goals I have and all of that, like you said, masculine stuff. But then we forget to energetically activate it with our emotions. Absolutely. With that deep feminine energy. I mean, we need both, right? Like, and, th and that's why I say it's an act of self-care to kind of get all of those things out of my head and onto paper, right? And then there's like, there's a form that I have women kind of go through um, just about like, how are they going to be in service this week? And like, how are they going to connect with themselves and then make like a list of self-care and just prioritize those three things. So like, yes, you know, we do have that way about us. That's important for um, that sense of purpose. Like that does come from a masculine type way. So we do need both, but I think what society doesn't set us up for is really 
honing in and, and using that beautiful feminine energy that we have that wisdom, that kind of that to me, that is like the coming back into center and like trusting yourself, listening to yourself. Like if something doesn't feel right, like just honoring that, right? Like where you give your energy, setting those boundaries, all of that, I believe is like coming from a feminine way. So it's a really, yeah, like the act of sitting down and doing that. Um, I say like Sundays are a great day, but like I always encourage people like just pick a day of the week that works best for you so that you're doing it consistently, right? Like it's, it is all about building that habit of um, weekly planning. So the more we do it with consistency and that works well for um, the individual, the more likely they're going to stick with it to make it be um, just a ritual that, that they can't not do. Right. Like I feel that way. Like we were just traveling and I bring my planner and I'll do it on that airplane. Like, it's like, I, it's like, I need to kind of do this just to kind of set myself up for the week ahead. Again, I'm not in control of anything that happens in my week, but it just, it does feel like the, the biggest piece of self-care that I can give myself is that. Right. But we are in control to a large extent around our inner world. Like Dr. Linda was saying that we, we you know, can look it. at it and yes. see gratitude in everything that's going on in our life, or we can say that I'm going to show up today with this energy of joy and that I'm going to do my best to take care of myself. And so I think it's a great way to sort of get our energy set. I'm curious about some of the um, results you've seen in your own life and your clients' lives when people start this intentional planning using you know planning as a as a self-care ritual what what starts to shift and change um like the biggest thing that i've heard back from the women who use it is that like power word and just how much no matter what stage of life they're in how much they have these um aha moments around like how little care they give themselves and how they eventually with practice and um repetitiveness begin to to really put in that same kind of care and attention to themselves that they're offering out to the people around them. So just really prioritizing that piece has been um, the feedback that I've gotten consistently from everyone um, that it's, yeah, just having that, that emotional intention, like putting, you know, yeah, like setting that vibration and, and prioritizing um, and, and yeah, it is about empowering yourself, like, and seeing your, and putting yourself in the driver's seat of your own life, really about how you decide to, um, be and react to all of the daily things that come up in life. So, um, that life's not just merely happening to you, that, um, you do have a say in how you're going to kind of dance with the, with the moments that you're in. It's so interesting when, you know, I would say, Pretty much 99% of the women that I work with have the same issue of not doing the self-care. It's like, we want to do those things, right? We want to eat right and move our bodies and deal with our stress and, you know, get our sleep and all of those things. And what I find there's always this subconscious block. And it usually is that we have been taught to put everybody else first. I see this with grandmothers all the time. They're like, why am I not going to that exercise class? At, Yo, I like yoga. I like to move my body. I like to eat healthy. Why am I not planning me? Why am I not going to bed at 10 o'clock? And it's this idea that like, I have to be available 24 seven for all these people, or I'm not going to be loved or something that's going to happen. And I I use something called um, immunity to change to really see that we have an actual immune system 
that keeps us from changing because we have these fears of I won't be liked, I won't be loved, people won't care about me if I if I make that shift. And that is just such a BS story that we are telling each other because the, the truth is, and we, we hear this a lot too, is you got to put your own oxygen mask on first, right? You can't give him an empty cup. And when we, when we do take the time to create these self-care rituals, to do these things, to give ourselves that, that love, that self-compassion, we have so much more energy for everybody else. Mm -hmm. It's true. And, and fortunately, or unfortunately, sometimes we need systems and and (laughs) repetitive kind of things to put it into play, because we are so programmed um, from a young age to be the nurturers to be, you know, the people pleasers and, and to, to put that oxygen mask on everyone but ourselves, right? So that's why like having some real habits that you can put in play, does help to, you know, help those neural pathways to kind of see from a different lens to begin like kind of Dr. Linda, what you were saying, like how you first started out and how you can, it's that kind of like clickbait in your own life too, right? Like where you can navigate the weeks and be like, you know what, I don't want to do that. And, and saying no is actually an act of self-care for myself, like, and, and then not beating yourself up. Right. So it's about just making those small steps forward. Um, but sitting down and and having your own practice is like, you're not with anyone else. You're like having that conversation with yourself. And that in itself is, um, I think that's sort of where it starts, right? Because, because you're giving yourself that time. And then when you're quiet, like we all have that inner wisdom and it's just a matter of taking those pauses and not having our attention going at everything else where we can feel it and and it feels good. So then eventually you're going to want to have more of that, right? Because that is when you feel um, just your energy feels grounded and centered and, and wellness starts to come to you when, when you're in that vibration, right? Like it's all about that. But it has to, it takes, it takes time. I think when I start with time and I think that's where you need to be gentle with yourself, right? Like we're so programmed to be like, oh, a quick fix here and sign up for that. And there's all these like empty promises about what it is, but it's just really, it's about strengthening the relationship that you have with yourself and trusting in yourself and, and quieting the noise, the external noise of like where, what you consume. Yes. Like in all ways and, and who you're around and what you're around and, and making that space. Like when you go for your walks, like you're just taking in nature, like, Oh, like there you are. Right. It's like, whatever that is, it doesn't have to be sitting down and and mapping out your week. That's just what works really well for me. But like taking those spaces for yourself where you can just, um, be with yourself is, is really powerful. Yeah. It's habit. It's also leaning to the resistance and also find discipline because, you know, I, I just, I'm so lucky. My partner and I, we don't watch a lot of TV and we're intentional, like when we want to watch it, but you know what? It gets so easy to sign up for that, you know, that series. And all of a sudden you watch one and then you've like, Oh, you, it's like eating potato chips, right? It's just so easy to just finish the bag. And then there's more potato chips. There's so much stuff that we can stuff ourselves with and to take a step back. And then I think for me, realizing just how, short life is and how we need to be disciplined. We need to be, you know, intentional about it. And I think too, at midlife, really reevaluating what self-love, what self-care, what those things look like. Because self-care for me changes every single day. 
I need a different thing on a Tuesday than I do on a Friday. And, you know, when I get to Friday and I think about the things that I was going to do for self-care, well, I need to do something different, but having some flexibility. So curious, what are your top three tips for getting started with this weekly planning ritual? Someone's listening and they're going, this all sounds great and (laughs) I'll have a fluffy candle and sit down, but I'm not feeling it. What are your top tips for getting started? I think like as far as like habit building goals and like for my coach hats, like setting the stage with consistency, right? So um, picking that um, day of the week that you're going to do it and just have some flexibility in, in what the time is during that day, but just giving yourself even like 10 minutes just to um, carve out what your week is going to be, right? So start so really, really, really small. No, that's good. So start don't small. put too many yeah, expectations. Pick a day, right? So and- want to make... Want to make sure we actually give Dr. Linda a chance to ask you a question because I said we only yes. have three minutes left. Okay. So start um, small, small, and don't have huge expectations. And yes. just do and then it. adding that intention is the most powerful one, that emotional intention. And then give yourself lots of invitations to reset. This is not about perfection, right? Awesome. Like what you were just saying, you, what you need on a Tuesday is different on a Friday. Like be, be kind to yourself. I think those are like the three things that if you could do that eventually, it, it does it, because it feels good to feel good. So. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Dr. Linda, do you have a question for Emily? I do. I have a burning question. Okay. Okay, So (laughs) when I started the goodness exchange, I had an eighth grader, a sophomore in high school and a freshman in college. And I had this big business with 17 employees in the dental office. It was just something every single day. And then I was just going to add that I'm going to write an article every day. So (laughs) I think one of the things that you touched upon was saying no. Yes. I mean, one of my girls are pretty, pretty. Um, I've, I've really worked with my girls to, on a subject just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. So talk to us more about saying no, because that's the bottom line, isn't it? I think exactly what you're Ruling saying. Like if out. we realize that saying no is actually an act of self-care to ourselves and as like an extra little nugget for all the people pleasers out there, it's actually a gift to the other person too. Because when we give our energy where we don't want to, then we become, then we're like martyrs and, and we're not giving from a from a real centered, like a good vibrational place, right? So it, it's a gift to the other person. And it's also a gift to yourself to be honest, to be truthful and to not give your yeses where they're no's. Like it's just, yeah. I love that because I think one of my themes for, you know, heading into the new year is make it a no year, right? Instead of all the things I have to do, what are you actually going to say no to? And saying no is totally a way of saying yes to yourself. But I think it also takes so much um, practice and discipline because we're so used to being people pleasers and wanting everybody to like us. So I absolutely, I love that you asked that question. So we've got a minute or so left. Dr. Linda, where can people find you and tell us specifically what people can do if they want to give your app to somebody for Christmas or Hanukkah? It's a fantastic, or Kwanzaa, it's a great gift. How do people get it? Well, um, so you can go to goodness-exchange.com. And there's a very nice contact box that we that we monitor all the time, all day long. And there's somebody real at the end of it. So um, if you want to talk to us about gift giving, whether it's a family member, many family members, an organization, or a corporation, um, that will will we can we've got people handling that. Um, I really want to turn people on to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast because there I've, I'm interviewing some of these thought leaders who are making the world a better place, our shared future. Unbelievable. 
people that um, they're on it and they're in their ordinary folk, just like us to start out with most of them, they have a great story, but they, they found what they were uniquely built to contribute and they're doing some great things for the future. And um, I also want to share just really quick. Um, we've got a conspiracy of goodness gift guide at the goodness exchange because we, I don't know about you guys, but I have such trouble buying gifts for my kids. They don't want more stuff. Nobody wants more stuff in this world. And this gift guide is tapped into companies that are giving back. Um, they're, they're all doing something to make the world a better place. So awesome. Emily, all right, just give Emily a moment and Emily, where can people find, thank you, Linda, oh, where can people find yeah. you, Emily? Um, EmilyMedill.com. Um, you can start with my weekly note that I've been sending out for seven years, which gives you simple ideas to remember the good, to feel your best and to reset as needed. But all of my courses and books and everything are on there too. Emily. All right. Awesome. Linda, Emily, thank you so much. And thank you all for listening wherever you are at the holidays in joy, be good to yourself, work on that self-care and and do check out the offerings of these beautiful women. They will help you to rock your midlife. We'll catch you next week. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Rock Your Midlife. We hope this episode has helped you get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week and go rock your midlife. again for listening 